Hey heroes! Welcome back to Moon Harbor. I know I speak for the entire team when I say I am so excited to be back with you all. It is truly thrilling to be bringing you more Moon Harbor stories. Before we look at the future though, we want to look back for a moment. This is part one of our retrospective on Cataclysm Crew, which ended back in March. There will be one more part next week, and then we get to brand new issues. And speaking of brand new things, the music you're hearing playing under me right now is the new Moon Harbor theme song, but there'll be some more music around as well. That and so much more lies in store ahead for Moon Harbor. For now, settle in and enjoy our recap of Cataclysm Crew. Hello everyone and welcome to Moon Harbor Heroes. My name is Crumpet, I'm one of your producers, and today we are starting our Cataclysm Crew recap. Uh, today here we have Elliot, Icy, Jane, JPG, Kai, and Tess. Uh, Rose unfortunately was not able to join us this evening, but uh, we'll be here for part two. First off, congratulations. You've all told a wonderful story. You all deserve a pat on the back and an applause that I will not do because it will not come across on the mic. Thank you. You couldn't see because this is a, you know, audio medium, but I was giving you a thumbs up. Yeah. Also, thank you for, for running this for us, Crumpet. We really do appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I might be the biggest fan of this show, so I'm happy to do it. Aww. Uh So let's go around and say... Just in case anyone for some reason is picking up here or ha hasn't heard some voices in a while and needs to be reminded uh, who you are, what your pronouns are, and who you played on the show. Let's start with Elliot. I am Elliot. I use she, they pronouns. And I played uh, Amber, a.k.a. Rebel Rouser, uh, formerly Machina, uses she, she, and she uses she, her pronouns. I'm Icy. I use she or they pronouns. And I played Max, a.k.a. the Rascal King. Hello, I'm Jane. I use she, her pronouns, and I play Lucy, or Flyby, who also uses she, her pronouns. Hi, I'm JPG. I use he, him pronouns. Uh, and I played the Blade of Sorrows, who also uses he, him pronouns. Hi, I'm Kai. I use they, them pronouns. And I played Alan, or Tyrannus, who also, who actually uses he, him pronouns. Hi, I'm Tess. Uh, she or they pronouns. Um, I played literally everyone else because I was the GM. Though we all kind of shared responsibility of Squire, so. I was about to say not Allie, but that's not true. I did play Allie to start. Damn. God. Elliot just posted in the chat, but almost all of us, not all of us, but almost all of us have changed our individual person pronouns since Moon Harbor started. Everybody from the original group has changed pronouns. Yeah. It's, it's them teenage superheroes. They'll trans your gender. So we're going to talk about this uh, in a informal arc by arc sort of style, starting with the beginnings, the humble beginnings of the Cataclysm crew. What was the original concept for Cataclysm crew? <laughs> because I know this wasn't it. So we did our signal light game before Cataclysm Crew started. And one thing that was built was MMM Monarch Power and like that, like and Saber, that like that dichotomy. There was always going to be like a tri power conflict between the three groups. 
I'm going to say that the MMM was not Signal White. That one came from our before the, when the team first came together. Elliot's right. Um, and something that actually came up in Wild Thing's story a lot later was we were going to see all three of these groups doing like genetic experimentation to make the perfect super so they could basically take down the other organizations. If you listen to episode five or issue five of Cataclysm Crew, you can actually hear me talk about it as Max's parents. I drop a reference to it in that point because I scripted out that dialogue. Ooh. Uh, and it never went anywhere because that arc ended with the Asterons coming and everything got sidetracked by that. So basically I got like four, five, I think I, think I got six issues of what Cataclysm Crew was intended to be and then everything went the fuck off the rails. That's Masks, baby. Yeah. In the best way possible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, don't forget hot demon boyfriends also, so. That's true. We haven't stolen, at this point, we have not stolen Ben yet. Yeah, this is way before hot demon boyfriends. So that was my original goal. I don't know what uh, Kai, Elliot, and Icy were thinking about for Cataclysm Crew, where their characters are going, but that was my original goal. Honestly, I came in with so little goals for Max. I was like, I want to be a kid. I want to be friends with a raccoon, and I want to throw that raccoon to bad guys. And you sure did. And then apparently it was high five. Like Amber was the last bit of that goal. I had not played uh, anything besides Dungeons and Dragons before we started playing Cataclysm Crew. So that like this, the game itself and PBTA was so new, new to me. So I only somewhat knew what I was doing, but it was just, oh, a playbook with parent issues. Sure, sign me the fuck up. I I honestly, uh, still to this day, have no idea what I was doing. I wanted to play a second character, so... Alan! All admirable goals going in. Let's just say, at what point did you feel like you really clicked as a team? Definitely different points. I would like to say the first time I clicked as a GM was when I made everyone invent movies in the first session. Oh my god. But I was like, what movies are you here to see? What trailers are playing? I got angry at you later. We had a conversation <laughs> off of cast where I was like, are you serious? We did a session zero. And then within the first five minutes of our set, our first session, you're like, hey, make up a ton of fiction. And there was a point, I think I added this out, where you asked me for a blooper for a movie that we had just made up. And I was just like, no, I won't do that for you, Tess. Oh my god. It's good to know I've been a monster of a GM since day one. I love it. Speaking of that first issue, my first note in uh, all of my documentation here, I have a 64-page GM notes document for Cataclysm Crew, is the villain card for Allie. Amazing. I was going to say, I feel like it was definitely at different points, maybe for like all of us, but definitely for me, because like Kai wasn't in the first session that we had. So uh, Max and Amber definitely bonded the first, like just the whole first session. I can't even think of a specific point. But like by the end of the session, it was like, oh, God, these two share one brain cell. <laughs> and then um, session two, when Kai came in, I felt like the the clicking was like ever and Alan had a moment together and like accidentally brushed hands and like had the electricity spark. And it was like, ah, oh, yes, yes, there's some good play off of this with two electric heroes that name whose names start with A. I definitely feel the whole like different phases things. 
Amber and Max felt like they clicked almost immediately. I don't remember when, when their first high five was, but yeah, their brain cells connected at that point. I feel like it might have been the first session. It, I, I'm almost certain it was. I feel like the first time like I felt like I was, yes, this is part of the team, was um, after our trip to Saber, where we went to deal with to to track down the mmm uh mm. the motorcycle mm-hmm. scene and back to back with the scene inside the uh, conference room with bruce and everyone there i think that was the moment that i as a player was like yep this is the team this is this is how the team's gonna work now i think that was for all, all of us like really fitting together too yeah it, it was weird to say like i think the first time max and uh alan like really clicked as characters was when alan was like yeah you're you shouldn't be here but like it i think that is where that cohesion really started oh yeah oh a hundred percent i feel like that the 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 headbutting tension of of all of that was just peak yeah. perfection moving the story forward a little bit and this is a question mostly, mostly for Icy and Tess, but if anyone else has answers, I don't know the answers. What made you decide to do a crossover so early? I like crossovers, but <laughs> bluntly, I think the reason Blockade happened so early is because I freaking love crossovers, and I was, I've been looking for an excuse since issue one. Yeah, and it was a big event that affected the whole city, and I had not yet wrapped my head around the fact that, like, we can have the Solstice... And Faces never has to mention it. Like, my brain just never really clicked with that for a while. So I was like, well, there's an invasion. So, like, we have to have everyone affected by it. And so I think Icy was like, I want a crossover. And I was like, this is the moment. It has to be now. It felt like a um, almost an extended Faces game with some of the Cataclysm crew characters. Do you think mm-hmm. that's because you were playing Ryder? Because in my head, I'm like, that felt more like a Cataclysm crew arc than a Faces arc. It most likely was due to me, probably in my head, was because I was playing Ryder, and I think Jill uh, was still pl- was playing Carl, and I think that was the the reason it in my head clicked to that that notion. Right. It was also when we were planning on introducing new characters to the respective lines. Even though we had no idea where they were going to go. I think, fun fact, we thought it was going to go the other way around. We did, yeah. I honestly did, yeah. And I don't remember why we ended up landing where we did, but I'm happy that we did. I like the dynamic that it brought. It was purely we asked them, like, hey, who's interested where? Yeah, Blockade was weirdly timed, but I have fond memories of it. It was wild. Some of the role-playing in it was really great, too. Like, the scene with... Max and Amber, like, in the Asteron jail cell. Mm-hmm. That was really powerful. When Alan was like, I'm gonna jump back in time. Yeah, because the time wizard. Okay, okay, to my defense, to my defense, I still had no idea what I was doing. When we, when I was talking with Tess and like, what are we doing with our with my, with my character now that I've blown myself up? Well, yeah, and the reason we did that was because you wanted to play Ryder in the crossover. And I was like, yes, well, how yes. can we get Alan not involved? Because we were going right from the like that moment right into the big crossover. And we're like, well, like Alan will just get like temporarily taken out. And then everyone's like, Alan is dead. And I was like, fuck, is Alan dead? <laughs> it looked like Alan was dead. It did. And we like edited it to well, Icy edited it to make sure that, that was apparent. I mean, it played out incredibly well. And then you had like Amber and Max is going into this huge crossover, like, traumatized. Oh, we're so good at being traumatized, though. 
Process that shit later. It's our motto. The motto of faces is <laughs> that's the trauma talking. And the motto of Cataclysm Crew is process that shit later. I will also say as a fun fact, the end of Blockade is when I started listening in on sessions to get an idea of the world as I was building Lucy as a character. Speaking of Lucy as a character, what was your inspiration for Lucy? <laughs> Tess knows what I'm gonna say. There's if you if you follow oh. any of us on Twitter. Tess, there have been multiple times when I have tweeted about things in my own life, and Tess has retweeted it and said, Moon Harbor cast Lucy as an autobiography. And so that's very true. <laughs> it's so true. Because <laughs> I have been a graduate student since CC started, and I continue to be a graduate student. So that sort of mindset and that kind of person is very familiar to me. I'd like to talk about the Time Wizard. You're so welcome. CC straight up just renamed that character. <laughs> Like, brute force, you were like, mm -hmm. the timekeeper. And we were all just like, no, this is a time wizard if we've ever seen one. <laughs> and I, I, I honestly believe that anyone listening to this, like any of our audience listening to this, big timekeeper. Oh, shit, I forgot. We rebranded him so effectively. You really did. That really felt like the moment where, like, all of the new Cataclysm crew, like, really bonded and came together. And just our, our emphasis... That this is the time wizard. Uh, Jane, what was it like bringing a character into that established dynamic? It definitely took a while for both myself and Lucy to settle. Because um, what we're talking about with the time wizard and going back in time, that was Lucy's like first thing with the crew. Because um, I, because we did, we did her intro. And then she basically like was like, these superhero teenagers are suspicious. Let me follow them. And then follow them to the time wizard. We had all, I think it was like all those super powered old people. And then we got sucked in a portal and sent back in time. Didn't you follow us to Vixens? Yeah, she went to Vixens and then she went home and then Calvin was like, hey, come over to my aunt's house. She's at this retirement home. Right. Not at all foreshadowing for anything that might happen. <laughs> but yeah, it definitely took a little bit to like fully understand the group dynamic, get her integrated. But at that point in time, it was also like very clear that the team needed the like straight man for lack of a better term or like the person to hold the brain cell and she she gladly slipped into that into that role come team mom yes yeah i gotta say cataclysm crew got the better team mom oh thank you <laughs> like lucy doesn't have like a fresco of herself on her ceiling last i checked <laughs> uh hey i see do me a favor and fuck yourself <laughs> wow okay bringing the feud into this but also like lucy's definitely a better team mom like yeah, she, she made she made a playbook change to be a better mom. <laughs> the mom playbook. Then going on through time <laughs> uh, and backward in time through our adventures into into the past. Tess, I have a question. I will never apologize for Tatiana if that's what you're about to ask. I knew this was what we're going to talk about. I was just going to ask why. Fuck Tatiana. Just why? So my villain aesthetic is hot, unapologetic, and manipulative yeah don't say is no one calling tess out for this no one's calling tess out for this right now it's what i want to be as a person it's my like transition <laughs> aesthetic so we got we got tatiana we got scarlet scorpion we got um uh what's the name uh the daughter from delilah, delilah. we got missing links we got, we got uh vixen mm -hmm. we got glacier if they are not male that's not true we have the nurse too and plain jane which, by the way, I hate that name, always will. I think Plain Jane might be my favorite 
minor, minor villain. Tatiana is my probably my favorite NPC that I created just because she got such a visceral reaction from everybody. She was literally a war criminal. So was Glacier. So was Scarlet Scorpion. I just loved the 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 whole the whole dynamic of the of the the back in time arc. The Alan and Tatiana vibe going on there was just amazing. And to so so totally frustrating, but amazing. Then uh coming back along into the future, what made you decide that you wanted to add another member to this team in the wild thing? Rose and I were doing a show together in Baltimore, so we were carpooling together. And we had been listening to Cataclysm Crew and to Protean City as well. And she came up with a concept that I really liked. And I was like, let's bring Rose in. I think the first time we worked with Rose was uh, our first Halloween special. Mm -hmm. Where she knocked it out of the park. Yeah, absolutely. She is the reason to listen to that. Those fucking poems. The rules do not say she needed to make up a poem for each one, but bam. But like, at that point, we also, Rose and I discussed Monarch Man after Monarch Man was introduced, being tied to her story. And I was really interested in Monarch Man being a more focal character. Because Monarch Man was going to become one of the big bads at that point. As opposed to like, secondary villain and kind of tossed off to the side a little bit. Which, I'm not complaining. We used him plenty. But, uh, and <laughs> we might see him a little bit more coming up. But who said that? What? No, nothing. Later, I see. Cut this. <laughs> oh, Monarch Man is a as a as a focal villain. Who who to think of that? <laughs> what a concept! <laughs> <laughs> so by this point, it has become pretty clear that Saber is the bad guy. When did did the decision to just destroy Saber come up? How is that something y'all arrived at? We got there pretty early. And then kept, like, out of game, looking for ways to push it off, being like, it's too freaking soon for us to try and take down mm -hmm. Saber. Mm -hmm. I will say, I think one of our more, like, triumphant sessions as a team wasn't recorded and was never put out. It was, we took, I, I think it was, like, the, the, the length of almost an entire session and sat down and talked through as, like, players and characters how we were actually going to take down Saber. And I remember everyone at the end of that being like, that was so cool. That was so fun. We have a plan. Let's do it. Yep. Because like, not only did we plan, like, how are we going to approach this? But we also kind of decided what, how do we present that to the audience in a way that isn't us as characters planning it and then doing it? Because I, I hate that. And I, I just think we did an awesome job with that whole thing and then rolling from that into actually doing it. Mm -hmm. I definitely want to thank Icy for that, because Icy brought that to my attention. That is one thing that Icy has taught me a lot as a GM, is like, don't let your characters sit there and plan. Push action. If they're talking too long, something interrupts them. Icy taught me comic timing for this podcast. Aww. She is an infinitely better GM than I am. Not me being like self-deprecating, but she is a brilliant GM because she gets the timing so deeply you say such nice things and we're even in a feud we're in a feud but i still love you and that's why i'm stronger than you <laughs> um to to jump back to Kropit's uh question about when we decided to take down saber i do want to point out that it was literally in our third session ever that we did the first jailbreak so like yep. the groundwork was laid early oh yeah i think it, it was in the back of our heads from the beginning mm -hmm. Oh, corrupt cops? We can't let that stand. I really can't think of, like, what the, like, turning point was, though. Like, think, like looking back, like, what what was it that, like, really made it the 
okay, that's, we're just doing this, or, like, heading towards there. I know I tried to present the turning point to the characters as when uh, the intern got killed. Yeah, but, like, I feel like as as players, we knew we were heading that direction, yeah. I was gonna say, like, it was, what, third or fourth, fifth episode, somewhere in that range, where, you know, Alan squashed a bug that was definitely a tracker placed on him. Yep, that was uh, right after the uh, first jailbreak. Yeah, so it was really early when we had already, I don't know if we had outright said, hey, we're taking down Saber, but it was really early. Uh, Fun fact about that um, intern killing. Uh, I definitely posted a post in the Moon Harbor Discord that was like, hey, are there any characters, NPCs that can't die? And there were two characters in my head that it could have been. It was either Bruce or the intern. And no one posted the intern and no one posted Bruce. And I was like, fuck, I'm going to have to kill Bruce because Bruce was my pick. And then like right before the session started, I think Elliot was like, no, not Bruce. And then everyone immediately responded like all caps, like (laughs) not Bruce. Bruce has to be saved. I think that's because none of us put it on the original list because who the fuck would kill Bruce? You monster. Exactly. (laughs) Like, I'm a monster DM, but I wouldn't do that. I really wanted to show that Glacier had, like, gone past the point of no return. And I was like, killing a beloved character will do that to both our heroes and the audience. I'm, so, okay, looking back, I think, I think the turning point for the players was the second jailbreak. When it was like, oh, we're all on the run. So, like, by basically that making us criminals... I felt like that is what pushed us more to like, okay, now we actually have to actively pursue this because like we're literally wanted. Actually, uh, a point that I think I'd like to circle back around to, uh, speaking uh, of Alan and the sword. Why, why was Alan so quick to cut ties with Saber the second he made friends? Um, in character, that was because of the experiments. Out of character, I, do you, I I remember talking with Tess about about it at some point, but I don't actually remember what was said or why I was like, "Yep, nope, I don't want to be, I don't want to be part of Saber anymore." Um. So where that came from for me, you and I talked about like Alan being like a double agent for Saber for a little while, but that very much felt more into the soldier playbook than into the Nova. And so I think you and I kind of naturally leaned away from that so we could focus on the Nova story, which is the story of like itty bitty or infinite power, itty bitty living space. Yeah, I think that tracks. You mentioning the sword is like, God, I love like everything about the sword so much. And I, I... really wish there was more. Alan got to interact with, with the sword more. I really see the sword and Alan as two sides of the same coin. That was the goal when I created the sword. That was 100% the intention. Yeah. All right. Now, pushing pushing right along. Congratulations. You've destroyed Saber. Wait, Saber. we haven't destroyed Saber yet, because first we have to steal Ben. Well, actually, I guess we steal him after that, but... Yeah, you still Ben after Saber. We see him for the but, first but time we mean, we, we, during the Saber takedown. You do we go meet, see we ben plant, for the first time. Plant the seeds of romance. Oh, God. Okay. I did not know you were going to steal JPG. In that session, in that like crossover session. I didn't know JPG before that crossover session. 
we had messaged a couple times about it, but nothing more than that. Yeah, yeah, and I had a um I had originally reached out to you just for like a, a more so like crossover opportunities or like things like that and everything cuz I'm, you know, I I learned a lot of the ways that I roleplay through playing with nerds in a role uh for years and the Blade of Sorrows was actually created as a kind of like a one or two time character in order to show uh it, it was actually to show like kind of like how great Masks and New Generation is as a tabletop system uh, for another podcast that I was uh, recording at the time as well. Uh, so yeah, so this was kind of like a perfect storm of, oh, well, we're actually not using this character, but I'm happy to use this character for your crossover, and let's see where this goes. Fun fact, and JPG, this is nothing against you. I had not listened to that crossover when I approached Lauren to be like, hey, I want to do a crossover with Nerds on a Roll. And I fully was like, I would like Katie and Rob. Oh yeah, I mean, because they're the they're the dream couple, right? Like, <laughs> like everybody. Why we have the brafter shocks? Yeah. Of course. Um, but Lauren was like, Katie and JPG are interested, and I was like, who? And then I went back and listened to the crossover, and I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Now I know where we are, and I was super on board at that point. But before that, I was fully like, I had skipped those issues. Like, I don't know who these people are. Oh, yeah, yeah, they were so, they were like literal random issues in order to show another like I guess like side of recording like hey this is how masks works and we used to run a show called uh, called Ready Set Geek uh, and uh, that was specifically to show like hey if you're not into this and you want to get into this we'll review it for you and we will show you how to get into it. And masks came up, you know. Uh, Lauren and I became friends through there. Uh, we've recorded each other with each other for forever, and then yeah, and then that's that's what led to the opportunity over here. And then we stole you, and uh, now you're ours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know what? Okay, part of the Moon Harbor family, and we love you. Once again, right? It was like a perfect storm of things because we didn't really have too many plans with the Blade of Sorrows uh, during the next arc of of Nerds on a Roll, and I had already created another character. So, you know, of course I talked to both Lauren and Tess at the same time, and I was like, hey, you know, like, what do we think about, you know, moving this character over from one comic universe to the other? And, um, you know, even with the Blade of Sorrows, it was a little bit of a joke that I made it, because I made it with the full intent of just, like, playing out all of, like, my anime sword dreams. Uh, and, and yeah, and so, uh, to, to turn this from a joke into a legitimate character with, like, feelings and emotions and, and where people cared about them, uh, I was, uh, I was very, very excited to get that done. Uh, Jane in the chat just sent Hot Demon Boyfriend, uh, which was the recurring joke when I showed up. JPG and Kai, I don't think you all ever played a game together, right? No. No. No, I don't think JPG so. Because JPG was officially brought in after the crossover, right after Kai went to do Aftershocks. Yeah, I don't think I... I I've listened to the Blade of Sorrow stuff, and, and I, that, and I really enjoy it, but no, I never got a chance to play with JPG yet. Oh, Kai, you're not missing out on much. It is not that fun. Please ask Jane. But... <laughs> Excuse you. <laughs> oh, I am going to kick you out of this voice chat. 
Yeah, but I think, yeah, so we started, uh, you know, my, I, I, if we're talking about this in comic book terms, the very first appearance that I had was actually the crossover with, uh, with Clara and, oh, with, and Lucy. And Kid Katie, yep. And Kid Katie, yes. I was just listening in on that session that that day. I just like the moment when Ben and Clara started like accidentally flirting and everyone was just like, I don't like, I don't even remember if anybody said it, but you could just like sense everybody just have this shift of like, wait, what? This is fantastic. This dynamic. You know, I, uh, I'm really excited for the second half, especially because, uh, uh, I'd love to pick Rose's brain about this as well. And, um, Rose and I, we, I don't know what happened, but um, we just had a lot of really strong chemistry just right from the very first scene onward. And I think we were, you know, this being an audio medium, like we were very, very lucky to just pick up on what each other was doing just so seamlessly. And uh, and yeah, I, it, I'm I'm just a sucker for good love stories. I yeah, and and I'm a big comic book fan, right? I love the action. I love the I love the science and the magic behind it. But getting to actually have like a legit romance, and then uh, and then getting to play that out uh, on air was uh, something that I didn't think was in like my arsenal of what I could do on air. I cannot wait to come back to that in a few minutes when we get to like the end of the arc because I have so many thoughts. <laughs> yep, I was Aww. thinking the same thing. I think I love talking about this so much because uh, um, I really do truly feel lucky to have gotten to record with you guys for so long and to to throw out ideas and just like and to just have everybody roll with it as well too. We uh. It, this is one of the best teams I've gotten to record with, and uh, and Aww. yeah, <laughs> and, and and we've had a lot of really fun times together, and um, and I honestly can't even believe that you know the second half of your arc really just started with like a stupid question that I asked Tess, and I was like, hey, can I just like be on? <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then it turned into this whole thing, uh, and you guys really let me run wild with it so thank you so much for that so icy and i had talked about when we first stole ben uh we were like okay so we're gonna bring jpg on for like a trial run and let jpg be on for like an arc like a little bit to like see if it clicks we never had a discussion being like jpg is staying jpg just stayed because the chemistry was so there so immediately Oh yeah, there was a certain point where you and I were on the phone, and I think like I don't remember how it came up. We we kind of remembered that JPG was technically there on a trial basis, or like, oh yeah, I just kind of forgot about that part. Uh, okay, now I have to ask, what was like the end of my trial then? Like, what was the, what was the like was like okay, we should probably cut him off here. It, it kind of think it, it felt more like a in case things just terribly absolutely didn't click. Somehow. Right, and there was no, like, this is the end of it, but it was going to be, like, all right, so, like, we hit a good, like, natural ending point, and, like, cool, Ben can go back to Nerds on a Roll, but that never happened. Fun fact, we did that with other characters in uh, Moon Harbor, too. I'm not going to say who, but there are other characters in Moon Harbor that were, like, we're going to start as a trial, and then have been there permanently. We're happy to have you on the team, JPG. Also, audience, it really sounded like JPG was breaking up with us. 
he's literally in the next arc. Like he's in Cataclysm. Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I am in the next arc. Um, this is a little bit. I mean, can we talk a little bit about spoilers or no? Let's hold off on that for a little bit longer. Okay, gotcha. Okay, okay. Um, so yes, I am in the next arc as. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to leave it there. Okay. <laughs> and I fully intend on stealing you for other projects. Aww. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. I see. We still got to talk about the space stuff, too. I'm mm-hmm. so sorry. Okay. Speaking, uh, <laughs> speaking of being stolen for other projects, Rascal King and Rebel Rouser, now Paragons of the City. What oh, was God. that like? I cried a lot forever. Yeah, so sad. Yeah, me too. That was my I wasn't baby. even on the show. <laughs> What made you come to the the decision that their stories as teenage heroes were done? I think when it felt like they weren't like growing as much as characters. And like, I think that part of that is the beauty of masks. Like the game really just stops working for you once your character really knows who they are. Right. Like label shifts, like just stop happening so much. Like the game just isn't working for you. And it had been starting to feel like it wasn't working for a bit. And I was like, ah, we can't really drag this out. It's just, it's, it feels awkward. Yep. Like for me, it was once um, after the Saber takedown uh, with Max, especially like after that final moment of truth, I was just like, oh, Max's story is done. Like I could do more things with Max, but nothing is going to make his story better than it is right now. And from there, it was just kind of looking for the opportunity to tie up any loose ends we needed to make it narratively appropriate for him to leave the story. I also want to add that, like, I think it was very early on, like maybe six, like six months or so after we had started, like, Cataclysm crew, I was like private messaging with Icy and like I was, I, I don't even know if like how it came up, but we were just talking like, oh, well, like maybe paragoning the two of them like be like mentors to like young superheroes Mm -hmm. and like we didn't quite go that route but it was like we knew very early on that like when they paragoned it would be together oh yeah like it was never really a plan but we both knew it that like these two story ended together Mm -hmm. crying in the club right now yup and that leaves the team with uh, back to the beginning, three members <laughs> of Flyby, the Blade of Sorrows, and the Wild Thing. Tess, how did it feel to be jamming for that few people again? This is nothing against the players. They're all great. I hate it. It's so hard to it's GM so for hard. three, Tess, and you do a great job. I'm legit impressed with how well you've GM for three for that long. It's so hard. Could we back up a little bit on this, though? Um, like, let's talk a little bit about why it's so hard, though. Yeah, um, so the big mm-hmm. thing about it is there's only so many relationships you have at that point. So JPG had relationships with Lucy, sorry, Ben had relationships with Lucy and Clara. And when things were tense, there was no one else to help fix those relationships because it was always two against one. And the one person would end up acquiescing or the two people would end up acquiescing, but there's never any support on their side. When four people get into a fight, 
you've got two teams and you've got people to interact with. It also means you can't split the group anymore as intensely. Like, there's a reason when Ben went to hell on his own that Allie went. And not just because we love AV and want AV and literally everything, though that is also part of it. I didn't want to run a solo session because they're great and they're fun, but they're also kind of boring. On masks, most of the mechanics fall apart with one character. Like, a ton of the game just doesn't actually work. And there's a fair bit of it in early Moon Harbor. Like, I GM'd for Icy Alone uh, in Supai's first session. Um, and, like, we basically made uh, Missing Links a PC at that point. But, like, yeah, like, team doesn't work. And Yeah, I'm actually... If you look back at Moon Harbor, I can't think of a single time when there's actually a single player character without an NPC that we treat in many ways like a PC mechanically. Right. Yeah, the Carl solo session was another one where like Anagram became a uh, NPC, or NPC PC at that point. There's not a lot in Cataclysm Crew, though. We pretty much kept the group together for most of that. Nope, that's not true. When Alan went back in time, that was a straight up solo session. Alan's first game back in time. And jail. But that was... Yeah, uh, when Alan was in jail, there was similar stuff. No, never mind. You played you Sword during that. I was gonna say... Yep. And I GM'd that. I totally forgot. But no, I love our three, but there was a lot of times where it was like, Claire would do something, Ben and Lucy would be mad at her. Or Ben would do something, Lucy and Clara would be mad at him. And it's hard to push drama when it's just three people you end up in the same kind of, like, trio relationships. But that said, it let me bring in a lot of really interesting NPCs. Uh, so, like, Delilah was literally brought in to be a foil to Wild Thing, to be like, hey, Ben, I'm going to introduce a love interest that counters Wild Thing. And, like, lots of characters like that. Veronica became a lot more important at that point. Oh, right, the, the girl around 19... With uh, bangs and a uh, brown leather jacket over a patterned t-shirt. God, every time I got to say that, watching the chat and the, like, names in the, like, voice chat just light up made me laugh every single time. Is she wearing a brown leather jacket? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think my, my, um, you know, especially with Delilah, too, like, having, having this foil there, right, of, like, oh... <laughs> I I I think I I really failed with uh Ben's interactions with Delilah. Um and like that's something that if I could go back and redo this season that like I would try to focus a little bit more on that to try to 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 inject a little bit more drama because I think Ben was a little bit too devoted to Clara. Sometimes to make an interesting story, you have to play a not so good person. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh um uh, you know it, canonically, in this series, we had gone on, like, one date, and it went pretty good, and then immediately after that, I found out that, you know, Delilah was the bad guy. Uh, or one of them, or kind of a bad guy? I don't know. The, there's... That's... Uh, that... There's some grayscale there, right? She got redeemed uh, at the end. But, um... Yeah, and she was redeemed at the end as well, too. So, bad-ish. Thank you, Crumpet. And... <laughs> 
Yeah, so I think um, if, if I could have spent a little bit more time, I think we would have tried to suss that out a little bit more. Now, here's where I'd have a clever segue if I knew what the rest of the season looked like. But I don't. So, uh, what in the rest of the season? Which, for where we're recording it, basically Crumpet doesn't know the finale. I know nothing from... We'll just call it the Hell Trip onward. Was was the Hell Trip before or after the Library of after. Souls? After. After, yeah. Yeah, so at that point, it was just a matter for me of, like, the dominoes are there, let's see where they fall. One, before before you get into that, uh, just as a an overarching storytelling question, did you bring in the Library of Souls and the Soul Magic because you had the Blade of Sorrows on the team, or did you have that planned beforehand? It was because of the Blade of Sorrows. Okay, I thought so, but I wanted to check. I knew that Ben was bringing in Soul Magic, and I knew that there was the prophecy about Lucy. Because Timekeeper, Time Wizard, uh, had mentioned that she was, like, prophesized. I knew that I wanted Francine, because her name literally had devil in it, to do something with death or souls or something. And I actually talked to Icy on the phone about it right around that time. Icy and I do a lot of GM prep over the phone. We talk a lot. We're best friends. It's cute. Um, but I was like, I don't want it to be zombies, because I know zombies are already done. And I was like... I want to do something with death. I don't know if I should relate it to Ben's soul thing. And we went back and forth. And Icy was finally like, I mean, what happens if it's like a legion of souls? And that's kind of where the souls just came from, was the two of us just going back and forth on. Another thing that I'm not great at as a GM, and I'm still not great at it, I'm getting better, is I often create one big bad villain and not a lot of minions. So this big bad just gets like beaten up on in a fight. And, like, fights don't last long because it's just one person throwing punch after punch after punch. Or getting punch thrown at them. Icy was like, well, how can you create Francine's backup as, like, a legion? And I was like, I don't fucking know. Um, by having it be a lot of souls. And so that's where the idea of the solstice came in. So, at this time, for the listeners, the finale is out. It is. Is there anything you, any of you, want to talk about to make clearer or to discuss in more detail than fits on a comic book page about the story leading up to the finale or the finale itself? I just want to say Soul Crocodile. Fucking cool. Ah, so good. I can't wait for y'all to hear that. Soul Monkey? Soul Crocodile in the sewers. I'll say one thing about the sort of like the very end of the finale that doesn't involve my character at all is that we as players and Tess as a GM had conversations about what would happen to the Blade of Sorrows and to the wild thing. And then the exact opposite happened. I can't believe y'all ended up with a happy ending there. I was so ready to kill Ben. Like it was the end yeah. there. And then Rose. That was definitely my fault. Because Ben was like. Ben's final wish was, I want them to be happy. And we're all like, fuck, Ben's dead. That's going to be so sad. And Rose brought up really clearly, well, Clara's not going to be happy if Ben is dead. And I was like, fuck, that's a loophole. And <laughs> hey, genie Rose literally saved Ben's life in that moment. You can hear my brain break on the recording as I was like, 
yeah, no, that's the loophole. That is the only thing that I could have think could have thought of to save Ben. Because we had had conversations and like we're full like and there were certain points in like the chat would be like LOL dramatic irony because Ben's gonna die. And we were like, I think all of us were like mentally prepared for that to happen. And then at the last second, it changed. It was so good. Yeah, whoever edits that issue, enjoy all of my gasps. <laughs> Have fun, I see. Oh, it's oh, always good. good time. There is like, you just like leave me a uh, commentary track and I love it. it. Keeps the job exciting. One thing that I'm really happy about with all of the characters who Paragoned, um, they all ended up in a place that completed their arc from day one. Tyrannus's story may or may not be done, we don't really know, but like at this point, Tyrannus's story at the end of Aftershocks, he went from being like the tool of his sa- of Saber to like practically raising these kids who were previously Saber kids and like turning it around. Not being such a tool. <laughs> hey. You can't take that line from me. No. <laughs> Um, same with like, and Elliot talked about this already, but like, uh, Amber and Max got to like flip the script at the end and become like mentors and new organizers. And Clara got to like start a program to support kids who had disabilities and long-term illnesses, like advocate for themselves where she couldn't. Um, and just like this really satisfying closes to the arcs, which I thought was really powerful. And not something I had a lot to do with. Like, I steered in that direction. But, like, we discussed the paragoning out of character a lot before anyone ever paragoned. And, like, that was all player-driven. I agree. We, the players, are pretty awesome. That is true. As as the audience stand-in, I agree. The players are pretty awesome. Aw, thanks, Crumpet. Like I said at the top, I am very possibly the biggest fan of this podcast, and I am constantly amazed that I get to work on it. And you all do damn good work. You should be proud of it. You've told an amazing story over two plus years. If timing works out... That's an accomplishment. Yeah, if timing works out, Elliot pointed out to the producers a couple days ago, uh, our finale is going to come out Almost three years to the date of when we recorded the first Cataclysm Crew session. Beginning of April 2019. Yep. That is wild. We started with such a big backlog. That's true. <laughs> I also, I just looked up and I have like a uh, a cork board above my desk. And on it is a letter from uh, Vanessa Haas, uh, who is in several other Masks uh, APs. And there's the postscript. Uh, Amber and Max are my favorite part of MMH. Uh, MMHH. Amber and Max are my favorite friendship in, like, any media ever, mm-hmm, bluntly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As a narcissist, I like tooting my own horn, but that's more, that's, like, their friendship is more than just that. It's, it's yeah. just great. I, I It was extra funny, because neither of us knew each other before it. It just, it just worked. Yep. Uh, those characters just clicked. Mm-hmm. To the point it was sometimes, like, hard to RP around. Because uh, I would, like, cause problems on purpose, and everybody would be like, I forgive you, buddy. We're the best of friends. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, cool. We resolve. Let's roll. Honestly, Amber and Max were the heart of Cataclysm uh. Crew for me. And then it switched. And then it was like, all right, Lucy as the mom is the heart of Cataclysm Crew for me. And like, mm-hmm. in no way was I like 
everyone else sucks. It was just like Amber and Max's friendship felt like the driving factor of the first arc. Mm-hmm. And then Lucy's mm-hmm. like drive to protect everyone else and not protect herself, which was a trait that all of y'all had in that final arc. Literally everyone was like, I'm going to sacrifice myself to save my team. And they had a discussion being like, don't oh do that. God, yeah. And then someone else did it immediately after. Like house rules, no sacrificing yourself to save the team. <laughs> and then we get knocked out in a closet and then someone else mm-hmm. goes and sacrifices themselves. Someone goes to hell, hell alone. Closet alone. Someone gets someone Ish. gets trapped in a void during the solstice mm. on purpose. JPG. Okay, so. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. So, so is JPG taking a page out of my playbook? No. Is that what's going on? <laughs> JPG <laughs> left studied. Ben left Lucy in a void to protect her and was like, "I'm gonna go fight some stuff. Don't leave. You can't. Bye." <laughs> you <laughs> had a plan. We had Bye. a plan, and he did not follow the plan. <laughs> Okay, so I took a little bit from the Kai playbook, and <laughs> also, um, uh, Jane, uh, I I love I love recording with you dearly, and I think when I made those choices, right, to just be like, hey, I have another trap for you, so you don't get your soul stolen, right. And and it happens like two or three like it's almost slapstick happening in in these episodes as well. But like, I do that because I I was so, I was so invested in keeping you safe, both on a narrative level, but also Jane. Quite honestly, on like a personal level as well, because I think a part of me was like, hey, if I don't save her, she's not gonna get her doctorate, and like that just got to me on like on a on on a deep level. Okay. <laughs> I'm laughing and crying. That's what you get for playing an autobiographical <laughs> character, Jane. Yes, that is what you get. Oh, I'm laughing I'm... and crying. The Cataclysm I'm... Crew story. <laughs> yeah. that, that's that's the, also the Jane story. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I know we're going to do a Q&A that's right. going to come right after this, but like, y'all, this was such a fun arc. And I know I grew as a GM a lot. And... I don't know. It was just as cool to get to work with such incredible players. And I'm excited for Cataclysm 2. Are they going to rename C4? Is it going to be C4 squared? C16? Not yet. C64? Yes! I was waiting for that joke. Waiting for that joke. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you all for joining me. Uh, look forward to the q and I'm not sure if we're doing this as the second half of this episode or a separate episode of, in and of itself. We'll figure that out in post. I see it's probably going to be a second one because, yeah. Anyway, you already said bye. Yeah. I'm praying Craig off. Bye, Craig. I figure at some point in there, the, the music will just fade up over me talking and then I know Crumpet said there would be music swelling up underneath them, but... um. That moment with Crumpet and I see singing was too funny, so I didn't do that. Anyway, we'll be back next week with the second part of this retrospective, so come hang out with us then. And until then, thank you for helping us save the world. We'll see you next issue.